Welcome to MSP Voice, the weekly show for MSPs by MSPs. Brought to you by Cloudberry, the number one cross-platform cloud backup. Learn more at cloudberrylab.com. This is MSP Voice. Hello and welcome to MSP Voice. This is episode number 18. We have a great guest today. His name is Alvaro Prieto. Uh, from Oxus, and we have this really interesting discussion about robotic process automation, or RPA, um, something I'd never really thought about before, but um, they have used it at Oxus with great success, and he goes into a lot of detail, talks about it, uh, so something I think everyone is going to be interested to check out, and there are some links in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. But before we get into that, let's talk about Best of Reddit. We've got uh, four articles this week. Um, that we're going to talk about, and uh, we'll jump right into it. So first up is justifying passwords and security. Now, this is interesting because this person has a new client, and the CEO at that client basically has bad security ideas. Um, think about, you know, you go in, and everyone uses the same username and password at every workstation. Um, auto, login is an, auto login is enabled. Um, you know, any file shares are only shared to that one user. <laughs> Um, so basically, everyone's using one account in, in the entire company. Um, not necessarily that uncommon for, you know, family-owned businesses, um, you know, for small business. You know, they just don't necessarily have, go through the trouble of setting up different usernames and passwords and provisioning and all that kind of stuff. So this person now has to present, make a presentation to the CEO on why they need to do this. And so he's asking about, are there any standards? Um, you know, that they can point him to and, and those types of things. And it obviously, as you might think, goes into a very interesting discussion. Um, and, you know, kind of the first the first one here, um, it's got the most votes is, you know, there, there's four points here. First is accountability. Uh, so if someone runs off with all the company money, how will they know who it was if they all use the same password, which is a very good point. Two is privacy. Um, what happens when the boss's grandkid decides to sext his, her boyfriend? Um, or, or Fred, does the owner want to be on a sex offender list because he, she couldn't be bothered to use passwords? <laughs> That's a good scare tactic. Um, next is authorization. Um, will he give you his personal bank account login information? What about his or her spouse? Um, how else can you tell who is authorized to make financial business decisions? Um, and then finally, financial. Uh, the company won't be able to function when every machine gets wiped cryptoed. How much money would they lose while every machine is being rebuilt and all our financial data, invoices, et cetera, is being rented um, uh, rented out by hand from hard copies. So, you know, this is like, you know, basically what this is suggesting is you have to scare the hell out of them. Um, you have to make the CEO understand that security is extremely important. Um, and the best way to do that is to use some of these scare tactics. Um, and so, you know, and then there's a lot of very similar suggestions. Um, one suggestion, which may backfire, is, you know, ask the CEO if he has locks on the building doors and why. And then someone immediately after that points out, well, all the employees probably have the same key to that door, which is exactly what they have now. Um, so that's not necessarily a good argument, um, and I'm because I, I doubt that they have uh, key cards that are you know assigned to the individuals and those types of things. Um, so you know, it's it's kind of a the, the door lock maybe not be the the best one since they all use the same key and they might all have have a key to get in. Um, so you know, take that one with a grain of salt. Um, but then obviously, you know, another poster here says make sure you get everything in writing that they've declined your suggestions for increased password security and that you're not liable for any security breaches. 
Um, that is vital for MSP. Um, I, and I wholeheartedly agree with that because if they decide not to go with it, you need to get it in writing. And at the very least, have an email trail <clears throat> saying you suggested all these things and that they refused to do it. Um, so, you know, they, the, the, the OP said at the beginning that they can't fire, he can't fire the customer, so don't even suggest that. Um, so this is just ways to make sure to CYA, as they say, uh, in case anything does happen. So a lot of good discussion on this one. Uh, feel free to join in. Um, next up is kind of an interesting one. And um, myself, as many of the commenters, you know, I think we all read this one way and then realized it was a little bit of a different way. And I'll, I'll explain here in a minute. Um, but the post is text on bikes. And basically this person lives in a, in a city that has terrible traffic problems, um, you know, that, that stopping them from going anywhere, you know, before 9.30 and after three, um, unless, you know, they wanna be sitting in, in, in an hour minimum of, of traffic, right? We all deal with traffic. Um, so the suggestion is uh, purchasing motorcycles, motorbikes uh, for technicians who expressed an interest in having them um, to kind of do an express service for peak traffic times. Um, and then he's basically saying, hey, has anyone else done this? Any major pitfalls? Obviously we can't carry much on bikes, uh, but for jobs where we don't require large amounts of hardware, it sounds like a good idea. So myself, like many other Americans, read this and said, whoa, liability, issues, insurance, you know, people on motorcycles, not as safe as a car. Um, and that's where <clears throat> a lot of this went into. Is you can pretty much tell the nationality of, of the people replying, um, you know, because they're, you know, concerned about liability and especially in the U.S. We're very litigious here. So, um, you know, motorcycles are dangerous as hell, especially when you have a bunch of inexperienced riders. Um, and then in a couple of posts down, the original poster basically says, well, I'm in New Zealand. And we're like, oh, OK, so things are a bit different in New Zealand. He says it's only about $50 um, to insure the motorcycle itself. And because of New Zealand's healthcare, they don't really have to worry about that because everyone gets free healthcare, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of adds a different spin on it is it really depends on the location um, and whether or not, you know, having motorcycles for your techs is a good idea. I think in an urban area where you have bad traffic um, and, you know, you're not worried about the insurance, those types of things, it's probably a great idea. Um, bicycles might be a better idea <laughs> um, just because, you know, bicycles, you know, have a lot more leeway in traffic than, than a motorcycle does, um, you know, again, depending on, on your location um, and, and how far geographic area and those types of things. I wouldn't want to ride 20 miles on a bike to get to a customer and then get all, have the tech get there and be all sweaty. So that's another concern. Um, but just kind of, you know, some different ideas and thoughts on, you know, hey, if you live in a he heavily congested area, how do you get to that customer, especially, you know, if, if in the event of, of emergency? So interesting post, um, interesting questions. And, and again, it's New Zealand, not America. So things are a little bit different. Next up is contract and agreement questions. And, you know, just to kind of boil this down is this poster is, you know, they, they, they have managed service clients and they, you know, they have, they have an agreement and they have two clauses. One clause says that they do not in any shape or form guarantee that the client will not get hacked or have a security breach. Um, you know, they, they can't guarantee that, obviously. Um, so they provide services that are proactive and minimize their risk and also reactive and security breach, but we not guarantee that they will not get hacked, which makes sense to me. Um, and then they also talk about similar things in, in terms of backup. And in backup, they offer two plans, one where they verify the recoverability, one where they don't. Um, but essentially, they also state um, that they can't guarantee that they will be able to get everything back, um, you know, and 
if you you know you're in IT, you know that there are no guarantees in, in IT. Um, sometimes just crazy stuff happens, um, way outside of your control, and and you know you can't put 100% guarantee on on a lot of services. And so he goes on to say that 80% of the clients don't mind. Um, they know their risk and they sign the, the SLA, but then they do get some that want us to remove those clauses um, and wants to take full responsibility in case of a breach or in case the backup is corrupt, corrupt and not recoverable. Um, and then he goes on, you know, that they're not comfortable doing that. And then I don't necessarily would be either. Uh, for one, their insurance company says they have to have it or their insurance goes way up. Um, and there are clients out there that will take advantage of it and use it against us as, as much as they can. Um, and then they don't feel comfortable taking such a risk. And I, I absolutely don't blame them. So he's asking, how do you feel about these types of client situations? Do you guarantee, guarantee the service? Um, you know, so most people are saying, you know, you say thank you and, you know, good luck to you, um, to those types of customers that want that stuff removed. And, you know, that's the short answer. Um, but, you know, there's never 100% guarantee. You can't unplug the server and someone will find, you can unplug the server and someone will find a break into the room if it sits in and, and they, they want it bad enough. So, you know, there's just absolutely no 100% guarantee against any of this. And, and I think, you know, we all kind of understand that. Um, and, you know, so they ask about backup, you know, it's, it's best effort. Um, and, you know, a lot of, you know, people say under no circumstances should you ever take responsibility for a data breach. Um, you know, and again, what about backup systems? We make we make no guarantees that all mission critical data will be backed up. Um, we can just guarantee a disaster recovery and that we can restore all company data that is managed by us to its state at any point in time as far back as three months prior. Um, so, you know, that, that sounds pretty good, but it, it again, it's not a guarantee that all data is backed up, just that what they have backed up can be recovered. Um, and then, you know, the, then the, there's a the final one kind of goes into some in, indemnification, limits on, um, limits on remedies and those types of things. So um, a good post um, in terms of, you know, hey, do you want these clauses in there? I would say yes, if you're an MSP um, and if customers don't want it in there, then, you know, maybe you just have to say, sorry, that's our policy. If you don't like it, go find someone else that will guarantee everything and, you know, you'll probably be unhappy. So next up is MSP insurance. Um, so we've got a new MSP, um, which is great. Um, they're just starting out. And what kind of insurance does he need? Um, you know, so the businesses of Virginia, you know, what kind, kind of companies can provide us the insurance and, and those types of things. Um, you know, he's talked to State Farm Nationwide, um, which, you know, that's great for home and auto. Um, you know, business sometimes is a little bit different. I mean, you have to think of it, you're insuring your business and a lot of the details that go around that. So probably, you know, the one that's got the most points is at a minimum, you need general liability. Um, you need tech E&O, uh, professional services, but E&O is errors and omissions, in case you don't know that. Um, so in case you mess up and forget to do something. Um, you need a business um, umbrella license, um, in case one of the above doesn't catch something. Um, you might need commercial auto. Um, in case you get into an accident while driving to and from a client or other business activity that personal insurance won't cover. Um, and then business property office home. Um, so if you work from home and all these types of stuff, uh, these types of things. So, you know, that's kind of the, the minimum that, that this poster recommends. Others, you know, definitely agree to that, that, that you need this. Um, and also most, most people agree that you're probably not going to get it all from one company. Um, you might have to go to a couple of different companies to find it. Uh, they recommend talking to a broker. Um, and, and, and those types of things because, you know, they can work with different companies and, um, you know, insurance license by state in the U.S. So it's it, you got to, you know, to try to find one. 
Um, there's some discussion on how much it's going to be per month. Someone says it's going to be at least $1,000. Somebody else says we don't pay near that. Um, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I don't know what the prices are. Um, and then there's a couple of suggestions here. Um, a couple of people talk about Hisox. Um, so th there's a couple there that shows that. Um, and then someone else talks about uh, TechRug. Um, that beats Hescox better coverage, much you'd work with. So a couple of options there if you're looking for insurance and those types of things. Also, you know, some um, professional organizations provide ENO insurance, um, you know, as, as for, for members or they have discounted rates because they get into a group. Um, so look into some of the professional organizations. I know ASCII has some insurance options. Um, so if you're you're familiar with ASCII um, or if you're a member um, or not a member, um, you can look into that because I know I do know that they provide some insurance options. It may not be everything you need, but it may provide a low cost option for some of the insurance that you do need. So with that, um, we are now going to jump into our interview with Alvaro Prieto from Oxus. Um, again, great conversation on robotic process automation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did talking to him. I'm excited to be joined today by Alvaro. Prieto. Um, I'm sure I butchered that name because uh, I'm from the Midwest, but uh, I, good. <laughs> you, you told me I can call you Al, so I, I, will, I will probably do that as well. <laughs> so, Alvaro, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thanks, Doug. Uh, yes, my name is uh, Alvaro Prieto, and uh, I'm one of the co-founders here at Oxys. Uh, we started this firm about 20 years ago, and I have been leading our technology services uh, for the last, you know, since really the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been a great career here, uh, just uh, offering a lot of different services, all the way from consulting to uh, managed services to different customers here in the region and across the U.S. And mm -hmm. uh, pretty much uh, most of my career has been here at Oxys. Uh, prior to Oxys, uh, I was at PepsiCo, uh, okay. where I was running IT uh, for the Latin America division. And mm -hmm. Uh, I found uh, running to my partner here today, uh, my partner here, uh, Raul, who is the CEO here at Oxys. Okay. And he was in the finance side, I was in the IT side, and we both decided to kind of join forces and uh, go offer our uh, consulting services to to mid-market companies. And here we are, 20 years later, doing uh, doing great, and uh, really excited to to have uh, picked this career for us. You know. Awesome. Yeah. It's so, you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of the MSPs I talk to sometimes, you know, it's like the tech guy starts it, doesn't necessarily understand much of the business side. So having a partner like Raul, where, you know, he's more on the business side, you're on the tech side, you know, it, it, it makes a great, makes for a great partnership, I'm sure. It has been a, a wonderful partnership. And, uh, you know, uh, we always bring the, the business technology focus to, to our conversations. And, and I think uh, our customers really appreciate that it's not just a techie only kind of talk, yeah. uh, but really bring that business acumen uh, to, 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 to our opportunity, to pretty much every opportunity that we work with. Uh, yeah. We'll talk more about how we do that uh, in a little bit. But uh, okay. yeah, that has been our, 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 our Pretty much a, a, a de facto standard, if you will, uh, on how we do business here at Oxus. Yeah. yeah, and I noticed I noticed from your website you have quite a few, you know, kind of marquee brands, um, you know, that you that you advertise as, as being your customers. So, you know, yeah. definitely looks like you're 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 doing really good. Yes, yeah, so far so good, and uh, been relationships that we have formed for 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 many years, uh, mm -hmm. great relationships, personal relationships, a lot of business relationships uh, as well, but. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, starting very small, uh, we really, uh, uh, you know, uh, $5,000 or I think it was $5,000 investment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
and here we are 400 employees later and uh, doing a lot of different great things so with working with very wow. amazing customers and uh, multi-billion dollar companies so uh, we're very proud of, of all the effort that not only the that we've done but really the team that we have is really mm -hmm. what made it happen for us so it's been it's been a great ride Cool. Yeah, and I, I noticed too that you, you, know, you talk about outsourcing and consulting or consulting and outsourcing, you know, so when you go to your website, it's not about managed services. It's not about that. It's, you know, there, there's a lot of other stuff that, that you guys offer. Um, and, you know, it, it, so one of the things that I did notice is um, RPA or robotic, robotic process automation. Um, which sounds very interesting. I'm not sure that everyone listening understands what RPA is or, or how it can help. So why don't you kind of give me a little bit of explanation about that? Sure, sure. So RPA uh, basically is a, it mimics what a human does in front of the computer. So, you know, for all the technology folks in the, in the call, uh, they would know that this would be like a macro. Right, yeah. uh, but yeah. I call it a macro, but uh, it, it's a macro in asteroids. I mean, it's extremely powerful. <laughs> uh, uses a lot of workflow technology to be able to make decisions and 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 and, and go in different directions based on the inputs that is uh, that is getting from the computer. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a technology that. Um, you know, we have seen a tremendous return on investment uh, for the opportunities that we have been already uh, implemented, uh, the technology. And since we're in the outsourcing business, uh, we are seeing opportunities. Just we started really on our own center uh, mm -hmm. by applying the technology to really help reduce um, some of the labor uh, that is especially for very repetitive transactions is very uh, is perfect for that. And you know it's amazing to me to this day to find so many organizations with so many of these repetitive transactions that are done by humans, and yeah. it's really a, a waste of, of of a good brain, as I call it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the technology is really coming through with that, with that, and also it's fairly inexpensive to 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 acquire. Okay. So very affordable for companies to really give it a shot and seeing the results in a very fast way. So not only is it inexpensive, but it also you can get a, a very quick quick turnaround from an implementation perspective and really replace some some labor, uh, sometimes okay. quite a bit of them. So it's a very good technology from that perspective. And from the type of customers that we work with, mean market companies, some large organizations, it mm -hmm. plays extremely well. Uh, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was you, you know you said it's fairly inexpensive because that was my next question. What's the barrier to entry um, and, and getting into RPA? Um, and mm -hmm. you know I guess you know you said you implemented it in house first. Um, was yeah. that like kind of around help desk? Was it around billing or invoicing or? Well, you know, uh, yeah, sure. So our managed services is it, we have a couple of service offerings and not necessarily uh, one is obviously on the IT side where we mm -hmm. do everything soup to nuts, help desk, all the way to cloud operations, security, and those type of things. Okay. Uh, on the other side, we also have a business uh, process outsourcing service that provides finance and accounting outsourcing to a lot of okay. our customers. And we do that our, uh, out of our center in Costa Rica. Uh, hmm. So we can talk about that. But uh, but so what we've done um, in, in applying RPA is for on the finance side, on the finance and accounting side, okay. where have a lot of very tr heavy transaction volumes on a typical mm -hmm. basis, on a, on a regular basis. Uh, so we have applied that technology to a lot of those functions, like uh, like uh, you know order to cash process, for example, or okay. 
processing, kind of those type of things. Now, there's a lot of use cases for IT as well that we are actually mm -hmm. in the process of implementing today, uh, especially around, for example, the onboarding and, 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 and exiting of employees in an organization. Uh, so that typically is a process that involves going into multiple systems and taking the right, taking that that, that resource out of the out of those systems, or bringing or adding them into those into those systems. So we are applying RPA to actually automate that process. Okay. Um, other things include, for example, the monitoring of alerts on the NOC or the Network mm -hmm. Operations Center. So all those alerts, uh, you have a lot of false positives on those type of things. So the RPA yeah. can actually read these alerts and then triage it and see if it's a real alert or not. And then from there, okay. create tickets and things like that. Uh, many different use cases for RPA. When you start looking at it, and that's something that I would highly recommend for everybody to look into, it really brings the automation discussion to, to the forefront when you're talking to customers about enabling uh, automation or okay. bringing efficiencies, you know, improving the, yeah. the whole operation itself. So okay. great technology for that. Yeah, and now, so I noticed, you know, you have you, you have a pretty good blog. Um, you, you talk about RPA quite a bit on your blog. Is there like a certain set of software vendors or anything, you know, in, just if anyone is looking to get started, you know, where would they yeah. where would they start? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, I mean, compared to other technologies that I've been around, like you know, I'm thinking ERP systems and or business process automation systems, you mm -hmm. know, like all IBM systems and all that. Those are very expensive applications to really yeah. get into. Uh, but uh, this RPA technology is fairly easy to use, uh, fairly easy to 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 get into. I explain why. So there's about three different vendors in the marketplace, the leaders in the marketplace today. Uh, one is called Automation Anywhere. Uh, the other one is called Blue Prism, and the other one is called UiPath. Um, okay. So we have actually here at Oxus, we have selected UiPath as a great, you know, it's a tool that uh, basically for less than ten thousand dollars you can get into, at least acquire the technology. Um, yeah. It's what they call is basically you call this you buy these robots, and these robots are the ones that basically you know provide or or do the processing in the, in mm -hmm. the computer, or you can actually do it. In your data center uh, using what is called an orchestrator okay. uh, a little bit more expensive that's kind of a non uh, uh, it's basically you don't have to really push any buttons when you have your robots in the data center when you have okay. just a basic robot software that is installed in the PC that actually logs in and does all the execution of the of the different activities uh, that is uh, fairly inexpensive to get. These mm -hmm. robots are somewhere between two and three thousand dollars, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so you can get into it very quickly. Uh, okay. A lot of material out there to really learn the technology, and it doesn't really. I mean, it requires some light programming, but you don't really need to be a developer. Uh, okay, that's good. <laughs> technology, yeah. So it's more of a configuration type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you need to do certain exception kind of handling and certain type of more sophisticated actions in the in the robot you may need the assistance of some sort of development which okay. is kind of like a dot net light dot net uh, development yeah. type of language it's kind of what i used to uh, used to be back in the 80s and <laughs> hopefully people know about this it's completely for applications or visual basic for applications yep. back in the late 80s 90s uh, this was a uh, you know as as language that you can apply to Excel spreadsheets and make really mm -hmm. interesting things with it. Uh, so it's similar to that. Uh, okay. Great. So, so yeah, so it sounds like it's, you know, 
somewhat easy to get started. It's not terribly expensive and doesn't require a lot of programming experience in, in order to, to get moving get moving forward with it. That's right, great. that's correct. Yeah, no, no, not really. I, the key there is to be able to understand really business requirements, uh, processes, uh, which pretty much, you know, uh, a good business analyst will, will, mm -hmm. will understand and really empower the business analyst sometimes to uh, move into using the technology to automate those processes. So okay. it, it's, a, it's a pretty way, pretty easy, uh, easy system to get into, like I said early, earlier, compared to others. Yeah. Uh, there's always something, of course. I mean, we have <laughs> run into a major, lot of complex kind of things that, and we have a really excellent team here at Oxys that does really amazing RPA uh, implementations. Uh, which have grown quite a bit and matured quite a bit. I and mean, we started on this about three years ago, and now we're doing pretty complex things with it that are cool. really more in the development side. But to begin with, I think uh, lightweight type of development, you know, some business analysis uh, skills and some 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 basic uh, configuration, you know, technology configuration skills would, would suffice. No? Great. Now, can you can you plug this in? So, like, if you're using remote monitoring and management or professional services automation, can you plug this into into those to help kind of automate some of those tasks as well? Yes, Doc. So, pretty much anybody, uh, any anything that you will see in front of your computer, right? Mm -hmm. Anything you would do with a mouse and your keyboard, okay. forms, anything, any software. Basically, this overlays that that screen. Gotcha. Okay. It mimics what a person would be doing. So any mouse clicks, any taps, mm -hmm. any kind of entry, data entry stuff, that it basically does that. Yeah. Uh, so you, it can work on any, it doesn't have any particular dependency of okay. any system at all. Uh, so it's really, it's like an old macro, right? It just, yeah, yeah, it sounds, sounds exactly like a macro. <laughs> the macros basically only work in Excel and, and Word and things like that, but this can yeah. go about multiple systems. And that's another beauty of it, that you can go from a Windows-based system to a green screen system uh, wow. and take data, for example, from a green screen system and bring it into a Windows base. So okay. kind of like, a, I call it a, an interface in some cases. Yeah. You basically can run a query from one system, take the data, bring it into another system. So you, in effect, you're creating an interface uh, hmm. at, a, at a fraction of the cost it will take you to develop it, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, some of the key advantages of it. Like I said, once you get into it and people, some of the audience, they're interested on it, they start looking into it, and I call the light bulb goes on and you see, <laughs> oh my God, I can do all these things with this thing, it's pretty amazing. So that's yeah. where you're really getting into some interesting uh, use cases for it. Cool, so another thing I wanna to talk to you about um, is your nearshore outsourcing. Um, sure. you, know, you, you talk about it on your website. Um, Coast, you have a, a big center in Coast, Costa Rica. Correct. Um, and you, you had mentioned that kind of so. So, yeah. You know, give, give, help help me understand. You know why the why the why the decision to outsource um, mm -hmm. and, and how that's working out for you. Absolutely. So yeah, we back in two thousand and five, uh, as a request of our customers, we started into the outsourcing business, mm -hmm. uh, really helping them. Uh, improve their IT operations using the idle framework, the ITIL framework. I thought that that was the the, the, the holy grail of IT, as I typically call it, because it really shows how you can really deliver good services in a very structured, mm -hmm. disciplined, process kind of oriented way. So, uh, so we adopted adopted idle and. Our customers start outsourcing our services, and they wanted us to implement these models for them and get them to a higher maturity level in, in IT operations and service management. Mm -hmm. And uh, late in the 
2009 or so, um, one of our customers really wanted to leverage labor arbitrage savings. Uh, they wanted to really basically take the same team, but you know, reduce their labor uh, mm -hmm. by doing it sometime offshore, but they didn't really want to go to India or any you of know, those kind of uh, far places. Yeah. And us being from here, in my being in here in Fort Lauderdale and, and, and in South Florida in general, very close to Latin America, a lot of our companies really uh, have a, a Latin background, Latin flavor. Mm -hmm. I'm from Colombia myself, and uh, we we uh, travel all over Latin America all our lives. Uh, found that Costa Rica being a great location for outsourcing. Actually, Costa Rica in the 40s abolished their army and took a lot of that money for and invested into their own country uh, for oh. expanding the roads and bringing mm -hmm. attracting uh, uh, you know foreign talent or foreign organizations. And it started with Intel, who actually came and uh, started their own Entium processor plan, actually was developed in Costa Rica. <laughs> and uh, from there, a lot of companies, big multinationals, starting to follow in Costa Rica. So also Costa Rica, you find the highest number of English speaking uh, people in Latin America. Uh, okay. For us, being uh, a company that is outsourcing to U.S.-based customers, mm -hmm. English is absolutely a, a, a must. Yeah. And also, Costa Rica is very, the cultural affinity that Costa Rica has with the U.S. is extremely high. I mean, you go and you walk in the halls and you see NFL, you know, sports <laughs> and people with the U.S. kind of music. So it's yeah. a very Americanized country. You really okay. feel you're literally in the U.S. Uh, it's as close to a U.S. experience as I have seen in any country in Latin America myself. So, uh, so we picked Costa Rica as an experiment. We started with three people, uh, mm -hmm. just kind of test the waters and see how it will work out. It was three uh, engineers actually, some a network and a server engineer, a couple of uh, folks in each, and uh, I was three. And uh, you know, if you fast forward that to today, we have close to 400 people there today. Wow. Uh, and uh, really pretty much delivering 100% of the customers are US-based customers. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's been a great experience uh, uh, working with, with, with the Ticos or the Costa Ricans. And uh, we are actually looking to uh, continue our expansion in the country by opening another center, wow. perhaps extending into other areas in Latin America as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know one of the things too, like Costa Rica, it's for the US, it's central time zone. It is central time zone. It's yeah. very short to it's a close flight to uh, from Miami. It's a two and a half hour flight. Yeah. Uh, so pretty much you can fly from New York directly into Costa Rica. It's multiple yeah. direct flights to into into San Jose. So uh, and and you know a lot of people really know Costa Rica, especially Americans from yeah. the ecotourism and and, the, and and well more they they don't look at it from a business perspective. Yeah. A lot. But it's pretty amazing the amount of uh, parks or business parks they have in the country uh, with the great, every the who and who of American companies really have operations in that country today. Cool. So it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a, a great success for us and uh, our customers really love working with the Costa Rica resources that, that they interface with on a daily basis. That's great. I, I have not been to Costa Rica myself. Um, no? no. Maybe maybe someday I'll make it make it there. <laughs> Highly recommend it. You know? And, and I'll, I'll try to get off the beach and, and check out the, uh, the the towns and, and 
you know, explore it yeah. a little bit more than, than just hanging on the beach. So oh, it's, it's, uh, from an ecotourism perspective, <laughs> it's a wonderful country. They really done yeah. an amazing job on, on making that a the, mm -hmm. the, the real, it's a major source of income for the country. I mean, we almost yeah. more, more foreigners, foreigners in Costa Rica than Costa Ricans. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have a lot of friends who've been there and they, they love it. They, 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 they say great things about it. So, uh, Yes. One of these days, uh, you know, I'll just book a flight and, and head on down. Uh, highly recommend it. Just let us know where you go. Yeah. <laughs> Will do. Um, so, you know, one of the other things, and, you know, again, a lot of the MSPs that I talk to on, on this are, you know, managed service providers, um, they're, they're smaller than you, right? They don't have anywhere close to 400 people anywhere, um, you know, let alone in an outsource center. But, you know, I guess part, one of the other questions is from a getting business standpoint, right? In, think back to when you started, you know, how did you advertise? How, was it just kind of relationship based and, and word of mouth or, you know, do you actually put a lot of effort into advertising your services and, and you know, what, what kind of venues do you use to do that? Yeah, well, we, we really started as a, as a typical relationship based business as, as you was most, I, I, at least from my experience, mm -hmm. the biggest customers that we have really have come from our own personal relationships that we've, we've been able to develop here in this town and in other places, or through referrals, of course, yeah. word of mouth is very important. Um, so we, 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 we work a lot in that way uh, with very, not, not a lot of number of customers, uh, a lot of large number of customers at the beginning, really mm -hmm. working what we would call core accounts that would feed us a lot of work uh, from a consulting perspective and we and keep in mind that we started as a consulting organization yeah our outsourcing business really came a little bit later um, so we have been able to develop a lot of those relationships um, with our you know uh, and that's been a very important thing for our business we have mm -hmm. customers that have been with us for 15 years you know wow. or, or, and we're still doing a lot of work for them uh, but you know we, we used to be proud of saying that we were the best kept the best kept secret <laughs> best kept secret in town. <laughs> Which, not necessarily from a business growth perspective is not good. Yeah. <laughs> so we we started investing more into our marketing resources and really been going out there into um, you know public speaking opportunities that we go and okay. talk about our our firm. Um, mm -hmm. About now, if you fast forward today, I mean we are night and day where we were before in terms of marketing um, and, and have a great team here that, that, that help us really uh, put the word out there through a lot of inbound marketing techniques in terms of, you know, blogging and mm -hmm. writing a lot of different content materials, uh, webinars and things like that. So that's kind of what we are today. But back in the day, I mean, when we started, I mean, we didn't have social media didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... It was just a lot of emails and uh, and 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 that, but uh, but I mean, I think if anybody wanted to start today, definitely leveraging social media would be a massive. Uh, it's a great opportunity to really put yourself, put out there, be known for the type of things that you're passionate about and, mm -hmm. and you truly believe on. Uh, so social media is is obviously very important for us. Um, webinars like i said um you know public speaking to me yeah. is one of the most effective ways that you can really get you know get people to know you fairly quickly mm -hmm. working with you know different groups here in, in in the us uh to go and have those kind of opportunities to speak right yeah so what kind of so you know what kind of venues you know do you typically get speaking opportunities at is it you know industry you know 
events, trade shows? Yeah, you know, I, I guess. Yeah. You know, what's your? Yeah, industry industry events. I mean, like our firm is really uh, half is well, so half is let's say business related. The other half. Mm-hmm. Really technology related. So from a business perspective, really any events that are CFO uh, based, where we see a lot of because we sell to C-level officers typically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so CFO type of events, uh, the uh, the international the uh, international outsourcing professionals, the AOP. Is, okay. It's a venue we've been we speak quite a bit on those and those events in the past, and lately I've been uh, speaking to on the mid market. Uh, uh, Enterprise Summit. Uh, the, you know they, they have different venues across the okay. country uh, where we go and speak in front of a lot of CIOs about uh, RPA, for example, or yep. things that would be interesting, or the the business of IT, as I call it, or the modern IT organization. Okay. Uh, some topics around those things. But yeah, this, those type of those are the type of venues that we typically hang out. Uh, very industry specific, some retail specific events that we do, which we, we do quite a bit of work in the retail industry. Okay. Uh, so there's some of those more industry related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's great because you know one of the things I always you know I kind of like <clears throat> is the more you can get yourself out there um, yeah. and and get yourself exposure, um, you know the the better it is. And you know like you said, being being able to go out and, and do public speaking, being on social media, blogging. You know, even if even if you're just a one man shop or one person shop, um, you know, the more that you can kind of get your name out there and get yourself out there, um, it, the better. <laughs> so no doubt about it. I mean, and 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 today with the amount of uh, access that we have to these type of things like video conferencing and and really being out there in in in, in pretty much on social media, like I said, yeah. or doing webinars, uh, just developing content and you know being researching on new technologies and really educating a lot of MSP uh, work, uh, work in, in many ways at the beginning is an educational process. Really. Yeah. To, to, you really need to sell the real value. Uh, it's not like you're taking orders. Uh, it's a long <laughs> process in some cases uh, and you really have to because you know we're, we're our focus is always to move from people-centric organization to a services-centric organization. Mm-hmm. So that is a transformation in itself. Uh, so that really requires some some education in some case, a lot of cases to really help the customer really understand the true value of going into these kind of services. And 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 it's great to to for me personally to hear once they make the transformation when they tell us and I should have done this, you know, three years ago. <laughs> Where were you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's always hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Should have done this a long time ago. Um, so speaking about technology, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's business related or consumer related, you know, what technologies are you most excited about today? You know, whether it's like stuff on the horizon, it's upcoming, you know, what kind of, what gets yeah. you excited? Well, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, uh, which is RPA. I mean, I'm very yeah. excited about the technology. I mean, in all the years I've been around, I mean, which is almost 30 years now, is 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 one of these technologies that I have seen that it, it really delivers the value that it promises, right? Okay. And 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 it does it in a very cost-effective way, which is also very important. I mean, there's a lot of technologies out there, and CIOs, and I don't blame them. They are skeptical of you know adopting anything new because 
the, the you know it, it cost the cost of change is significant in some mm -hmm. cases, right? The higher the, the the higher the price on the on the software, the technology, the higher the the change, right? The, the bigger the change, and that typically end up costing quite a bit more money than than they anticipated. Yeah. So in this technology, it's fairly non-intrusive, uh, and it's easy, it's lightweight, and it's very powerful, right? When you start thinking about it, I think 60 Minutes actually did a, a section on this about automation. Um, McKinsey, for example, believes that 53% of the U.S. workforce could be automated by 2025. I mean, it's a little crazy, <laughs> but there are some big numbers out there that are yeah. really uh, showing that uh, we are doing a lot of things fairly inefficient uh, when it comes to back office processes. So okay. I think technology, I'm very excited because there's, uh, I think, and we're just on the early stages. Obviously, the next the next step on this is going to be machine learning and AI. Yeah. I think that these technologies, once you start really understanding the patterns of how a person really does their regular work, they will start programming almost themselves by learning sure. those type of things. The, for example, the RPA has a learning a learning module, so basically it, it, it basically records everything that a person does in front of the computer. Mm -hmm. What it can record is when you actually run into some sort of exception and doesn't know what to do with it. That's when you have to have somebody to go on and, and program it the right way, yeah. or figure it the right way. That is, but but in the future, I can see a lot of these machine learning and AI is coming into RPA to really start really automating what is called knowledge work, right? So mm -hmm. I'm pretty excited. I think that's going to be a massive, uh, a massive uh, change uh, from, a, from, a, from a technology. And, and the thing is that this technology is not necessarily an IT project, it's more of a business initiative, which okay. I'm, I love when there's business, the business is driving this kind of decision, yeah. coming with technology, kind of cool stuff to do. Um, other technologies that I, I think uh, are interesting is mostly in the security space, and it's also related to AI and machine learning, which is these technologies that are, I mean, security is a massive issue for a lot of companies, and I think yeah. it's continue to grow and become more, more of a bigger issue for, 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 for organizations that are not really doing much about it today. Uh, but there are some technologies out there that are really uh, are, are, are using machine learning uh, to understand pattern recognition and be able to uh, stop different things from happening because when you actually manage a security operation, I mean, you're getting millions of events almost on a regular basis. It's mind-boggling the amount of events that you have to process. And this technology yeah. really helps on that type of things um, using technologies like Watson, right? IBM Watson, mm -hmm. IBM is, is doing a great job with their with their Watson. And it's, got, it's starting to get into very interesting uh, applications for different industry segments, right? Uh, so I think using Watson in the security space is going to be a big deal uh, in the future. So pretty, I've, I've been looking at it and uh, been kind of paying attention to to it and, and see kind of how it develops. But more to us, you know, in the RPA business, I think the, the, the I'm very excited about AI. I mean, AI has been I was taught, you know, artificial intelligence in college <laughs> in, the, in the 80s with these yeah. boring prologue I think it was called you know but nothing it didn't go anywhere right yeah. yep. now it's really happening so I think uh, you know um, uh, those are kind of some of the key technologies that I'm I'm keeping in my own right now okay what about uh, any technology that has you worried that has me worried well I'm worried <laughs> about the same actually because uh, you know talking about 
on some security folks here, uh, they, the, the crooks are really getting into machine learning as well. So they yeah. are trying to outsmart some of the technologies that are trying to stop them, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of, uh, this same technology, if it's on the wrong hands, just like almost everything, uh, yeah. pretty dangerous and, and hackers, you know, are pretty smart. I mean, uh, you, you, you know, you know, I don't have to tell you all the crazy things that they're doing out there yes. and the, that you hear of how they penetrate in these impenetrable systems that they call, right? Uh, but they're getting very smart about it. So I'm actually worry about that. I mean, uh, I mean, worry about how that's, that's going to impact us and, and how, you know, uh, are the, the IT professionals are going to mm -hmm. react to those kind of type of things. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about it. I mean, there's some other technologies that I think are getting phased out, um, you know, that all this whole year, big ERP systems, I think, uh, are getting phased out in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a good way, very expensive to manage. And I think cloud ERP solutions that are fairly lightweight with tremendous capabilities are coming in. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, if I would say worried, worried from, 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 I would say the first thing that comes to mind is this machine learning from crook for the, the, the crooks are actually, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, that's uh, the Chinese are, are kind of uh, <laughs> getting ahead of the game on that one, you know. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of common. You know, I've talked, you know, you know, several interviews. You know, a lot of times people, the technology they're most excited about is also kind of some of the same stuff that they're worried about, especially from the security standpoint, like you mentioned, and you know, the, the bad guys getting access to it. So. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, uh, that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye very closely and it's going to potentially give us a lot of work uh, mm -hmm. to help companies really defend themselves <laughs> around these type of things. Uh, yeah. It's going to take a big effort. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it is now time to start wrapping things up and that means it's time for our rapid fire round. Mm, um, okay. So it's just couple of quick questions, you know, yes, no, one answer to the other, you know, don't put a lot of thought into it. First thing that comes to your mind, it's really easy. You ready? I'm ready. Go All right. Shoot. Apple, Apple or Android? Apple. Okay. Mac, Linux or Windows? Linux. Okay. Amazon or Azure or something else? I said Amazon. Okay. Local backups, cloud or both? Cloud. Okay. Um, in networking problems, is DNS always to blame? Not really. <laughs> okay. Um, should you always virtualize? Yes or no? Absolutely. Okay. And then, you know, think back to, um, you know, previous days, which is worse, printer support or vendor cold calls? Golly. Trainer support. Trainer <laughs> support's worse. Okay. See, that was that was that was pretty painless. So, um, so yeah. you know, just like to just like to throw some... that way. <laughs> um, well, you have certainly opened my eyes to robotic process automation slash RPA. Um, I'll be sure to include some links in the show notes, and if you've got any, you know, definitely shoot them my way so I can so I can put them in there to, to share with the audience. Um, it's been it's been a great discussion. Um, you know, before we wrap things up, anything else you want to uh, kind of let people know about or words sure. of wisdom? Yeah, absolutely. If they're interested in RPA, we actually have, uh, we conducted a survey uh, with a lot of companies, 100 and okay. companies, uh, where the results are in our website. So if anybody's interested in understanding where is RPA today 
uh, this survey really provides a really good insight on what's going on in the industry with the technology and so on. So I highly recommend people to go in and, and download the, 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 the survey results. Um, Great. But, uh, but yeah, if anything, uh, uh, be happy to help on any, any kind of way and any advice for the newcomers into the industry. We'd be more than happy to, to assist in, uh, you know, probably get my email there, my number sent sometime, but uh, yeah, I'm here to help. Great. So if you have, you know, again, if you're listening, check out the show notes. There'll be some some information there to, to check that out. Um, Alvaro, thank you so much. Um, it's been it's been great and it's been very educational for me and I hope for our audience, too. Thank you, Doug. And thanks, everybody. All right. Have a great day. Hey, you too. Thanks. Take care. Bye bye.